Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the program. Wonderful to have you with us. This is The Call. Our two experts are joining us for 60 Minutes to talk about 10 stocks in detail. You know the drill. It is a Friday, the 26th of November. Wonderful to have you with us. And also wonderful if you're joining us on Twitter or via YouTube, Facebook as well. Now, we have two expert guests here for the full hour. As per usual, it's a Friday. And that means I've got with me Rudy Filipek van Dyke from FN Arena and Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Rudy, welcome. Claude as well. Rudy, you are tweeting about all weather stocks. Pretty appropriate for the weather we've got in Sydney today. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, that is that is pure. Uh, maybe that maybe that proves timing is very important in life. But I have to say, pure coincidence. I would have I would have tweeted about all weather stocks, even if the sun were shining. Yeah, and I'm sure we will hear more about your all weather stock views throughout the hour. We'll leave it there, Claude. Welcome, and just tell us this was a big week. We heard from Prometicus. We've heard from a number of the companies that are in your universe. What were the big takeaways for you? Um, oh, well, actually, it's hard to say. I guess that the AGMs are time to check in and see that the um, you know high quality companies that I hope to invest in have good um, bench strength, and you get to hear from a few different directors. So I think um, Prometicus and Nanosonics, both of which I own and consider, you know, I guess high quality businesses, they they still shined. And unfortunately, I missed the objective call for one today, but the uh, actual present presentation materials looked good and pointed to further strong growth uh, going forward, which is another one I own. And, um, you know, they said material profit growth going forward, which, of course, these businesses, they need to keep achieving uh, good growth, mm -hmm. uh, given that the market rates them pretty highly. Yeah, we've got a lot of information for markets to digest coming from AGMs. But let's get to the stock of the day, shall we? Because BAPCOR, I mean, this could be one of the big stories of the week. It's had a shocker at this stage, down about 15.5% over the four and a half trading days. And it comes after the shock resignation of its longtime CEO, Daryl Abotomy. Now, he said at the AGM just a little while ago that uh, he wasn't going anywhere. Well, today, Morgan Stanley downgraded the company to equal weight from overweight, despite saying it does not expect a material impact on near-term earnings from his resignation. However, it does say there is now less optionality for upgrade catalysts such as M&A and flagging the increased uncertainty around management. There you go, BAPCOR at uh, the noon hour here in Sydney down by eight-tenths of one percent. Rudy, you if I'm not mistaken, have BAPCOR in your own portfolio. And you're watching all yeah. these broker comments on BAPCOR in the wake of that surprise resignation. Mm. So buy, hold, or sell. Um, uh, I, I think I'll have to, I mean, I, before I start, before I answer your question, 
I mean, Babcock, I believe, from memory, has been listed six years, maybe seven, something along those lines. Uh, it has been an incredible performer. Um, has performed uh, really, really well. Um, not so much over the past year or so. Um, now, of course, uh, the CEO is leaving. Uh, <laughs> any CEO would like the share market really appreciate their their influence on the company, and we, we I think we're all experiencing that the share market was really, really very much um, in awe with uh, with what, what this person has uh, achieved in such a brief time. I have been um, very fortunate that um, not long after the IPO, I, I picked up. Uh, Babcor as as one of those um, high quality um, potential all weather stocks in the share market. Um, I believe they they had that uh, capacity. They had all the tools uh, available, and um, now of course uh, there's a, there's a big question mark. So I I will have to say that I I will be reviewing my own position as well in this company because it does increase the, the risk profile and it puts a question mark now where, where the longer term outlook is. That longer term outlook I have to I have to I have to add as well is is also clouded by the fact that the, the automobile industry itself is is having now serious question marks with the inroads uh, made by by Tesla and other um, manufacturers of, of electrical vehicles. Um, and we don't know yet what what uh, the corporate response will be from uh, from from Babcor. I mean, their expansion into Asia, plus the fact that that it's 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 considered to be a well managed, incredibly well managed business in Australia and New Zealand. Should all else being equal mean that uh, the, like as the CEO himself predicts, that mean that this, the, the the growth should be there. However, there's a lot happening inside the business. One of the things they're doing is they are. Um, seeking efficiencies by merging uh, more than 10, I think, I believe the number is 13 distribution centers into one. And as that anyone can figure out, uh, it's almost that can only go wrong if the right person is not in charge. And I think the market is taking that view at this point in time. So I would personally, but because of all the elements I just summed up, I would say it's a hold here, and and but only for people. Um, who can be patient because this share price is not going anywhere for the for the time being, and and you can see that in for the past few days it literally falls every day now, and mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people who have not the patience, and maybe not the confidence, and who can't deal with the share price that uh, is falling, they're obviously selling, and and I can I can I can see the stockbrokers, and the fund managers making their their mind up as well, in that um, well in the short term nothing's going to happen here, so um, they might question why why they would be uh, why they should be here. Okay, so that uh, brings us to Claude because we get a lot of questions. Uh, really throughout the day about timing. You know, if a share price is falling over a certain period of time, uh, why hold on? Well, there's, it's basically because if you think it has a long-term future and you you want to be a long-term investor, then you might want to hold on for tax reasons, for example, if you bought at much lower prices, but also you might want to hold on because... Um, you don't trust yourself to actually buy back in at the right time. Certainly there has been a few times in my life where I've sold something thinking I'll buy back cheaper and then never do. Um, But having said that, you know, I actually thought that we might, me and Rudy might have some strong disagreement here if he was going to be saying, uh, yeah, buy, it's it's an excellent buy still. But actually I thought his response was very balanced and 
um, yeah, fairly, fairly um, to the point for someone who obviously owns the shares. I don't own the shares. I bought some during um, March uh, 2020 just as a sort of panic buy of random quality stocks that I thought were going to raise cap- capital. Um, so I think it's a quality business. However, uh, just because it has been built on acquisitions, um, that means that I guess the market attaches a lot of importance to the trust and the judgment of management. And also, this CEO was originally, I believe, going to serve out into to 2023. Mm-hmm. So this is a sort of shortened it. So I think that for some people, sometimes the CEO unexpectedly leaving can be a warning sign. And certainly for myself, you know, I have not in this case, but I've seen other examples where CEO leaving is definitely a red flag. So for me, I would be cautious of it. I would probably take this um, as potentially a time to sell some or all because this has been a roll-up in Australia primarily, now going international. But in Australia, it's worked as a roll-up. There's diminishing returns with the roll-up. You have to buy a bigger thing um, in order to have the same impact. So for that, I would say it's possible that the best days are behind it. Having said that, still a quality business and there's definitely a price I would buy it at if if it really comes down again. Thank you. Okay, Claude Rudy, that was the stock of the day. Let's get into the companies that have been nominated by our viewers, and one of which is Life360. It has recently made a couple of acquisitions, uh, Tile and Geobet. Uh, Tile was just very recently to complement the platform. Share price has been steadily tracking up since the quarterly earnings call. But is the company overvalued or not? What do you think, Claude? Ah, well, it's always a hard. It's always hard to say whether a company um, such as this is overvalued when it's um, uh, saying it's a high growth company and all that kind of thing. So, um, unfortunately, I might not be able to answer that question. But I guess that you know, this is we are playing the buy, hold, sell game here today. Uh, so we'll comment on that. But I think the important thing with Life360 to remember is that you know what these guys do as their core business is sort of an app that you know has been used to sort of track for parents to track teenagers and uh, also to track other family members and alert them if they got into a car accident or something like that. Um, But now uh, they're sort of building out their their, um, vision to also be about uh, monitoring pets uh, with like this company called um, Geobit, I think they bought, and also more importantly, recently Tile, a US company there. Um, which I think many of us would have heard of if you've ever seen those little tiles um, for locating, uh, like you put it on your bike or something, I guess. And so, um, yeah, look, basically, uh, they're really, they've got a long-term vision that they're selling here. So I think that if you think the stock is cheap, you, you think the stock is um, cheap because uh, basically this is a high growth business and the world is totally going to change in the way that um, specifically in America in particular, there's going to be a lot more people having apps on their phones, tracking each other, knowing where family members, if they're safe, I'm a bit more worried about concern of, of stuff getting stolen and stuff as well. Maybe um, tiles, although I don't know if it really helps with that tiles, something they give the kit, you can give to a kid as well to put in their school bag or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, look, the underlying revenue growth uh, was 45% year on year, reaching 120 um, million in annualized monthly recurring revenue. And they upgraded their guidance recently. So there's definitely good momentum there. Me personally, I'm thinking that at a $2 billion market cap, right at a time when inflation's, inflation um, is raising its head. And now that is bad for these high growth yep. stocks that are like saying, hey, it's a big long way runway. So for me then, because of that reason, more the macro concern, I would probably be not buying right now. But, you know, I wouldn't, 
I think this is a specific growth story here that might turn out to be true if this is a massive, you know, change in the way society uh, does things. And this is a great way to play that. And that with their acquisitions, they're consolidating that positioning. So for that reason, I'm just going to land on hold because I wouldn't want to go against it if someone's got a really long-term thesis here, which still is absolutely mm -hmm. in play. It's just I think it's going to be a bumpy ride now with um, inflation and that kind of thing. These guys also, by the way, having a bit of supply chain difficulties, which have slowed things up for them and some questions about whether they get that yeah. in time for Christmas. So well, a few moving and, parts uh, there. They do want to have the whole life. So they're not only with pets and teenagers and children, but mm -hmm. They want to start addressing the seniors market as well, where you can sort of see that oh, there might be an appetite for some of its services, which includes calling emergency services uh, for people. What do you think, Rudy? Life 360, buy, hold or sell? I think uh, I think we have, we've, we've already heard quite some interesting uh, comments on this, and I, I'll, I'll try to add some more color to, one of the, to some of the things I think stand out. The, the, the fact that why higher bond yields are impacting on high growth stocks is only partially true because if you continue growing then you will overcome your barriers that lie ahead um, having said so this company is strictly taken not yet profitable it hasn't even been listed for such a long time um, not not yet and, and it's my understanding is it is seeking a another listing in the U.S., so it's preparing for a U.S. listing, uh, which by default will probably propel some more momentum in the, in that share price. I differ a little bit from uh, from Claude, but uh, this this company has been on my radar uh, first of all because I didn't really see where it was going with its strategy, but I think that is now becoming clearer. So now it's all about it's it's all about execution from here, and they they need to. Um, uh, put that whole that grand vision in practice. I actually think that you can you can give them the benefit of the doubt. And if you okay. believe that this is one of those companies that can execute on its growth plans, then you should actually own it here. With the caveat that you shouldn't have your whole portfolio with similar stocks like this. This could be the one that you have that you that you that you allow a little bit of a more of a higher risk play because Independently of um, of the rising bond yields and the, and, and the arrival of inflation or not, and, and and what the exact timing is, I think the overall environment uh, in the share market in October, November, and probably in December as well, it's not really fantastic. I mean, uh, at the very least, we have autumn in the market, and then you have to be a little bit careful with these smaller cap, non-profitable, high growth, high valuation stocks. But I do think that you you can have the occasion one in your portfolio like Claude and I both mm -hmm. uh, for example we own Promedicus I wouldn't stack my whole portfolio full with stocks like that but in the absence of a Promedicus or a few of the other ones in your portfolio you could give three, Life 360 the benefit of the doubt and 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 it, in on the, a positive scenario in five years time you look back and you're gonna, you're gonna laugh all the way to the bank because mm -hmm. share price will be a lot higher so that's a buy from you Rudy Yes, there's the actually. caveats. Yes. Got it. Stock two is Peninsula Energy. Saying uh, for Paul, actually. Hi, Paul. Uh, they had effectively done nothing for quite a few years now selling uranium on the spot market based in the U.S. Um, gone well the last year. Wondering, though, if some of those macro themes 
uh, mean that it's better to take some of the profits in some of these specky mining companies like this? Is the company likely to be hard given the macro environment or is it just a pure commodity play? Uranium has been hot and uh, I guess it depends to some extent on your view on the outlook for nuclear as we look to decarbonize the economy. Is that right in terms of peninsula energy, Claude? Um, yeah, look, so I definitely think that, you know, what I was reading uh, in preparation for this suggests that uh, there is certainly uh, some um, expectation that increased renewable energy, uh, sorry, increased um, nuclear energy will be required um, as part of the climate change goals that's sort of been in the news lately. And that, um, you know, certainly some people are saying that that has helped drive the uranium price upwards. Uh and that certainly, anyway, that price rise of the uranium price is certainly what's been helping Peninsula Energy. And they've been not doing anything because they've been working on uh, turning their Wyoming, you know, uranium mine from one type of mining to another type. And I'm, I'm actually no expert on the different types and the advantages of that. But, uh, you know, I think more broadly with nuclear, uh, there's always been historically a huge estim- um, overestimation of how much that that would be rolled out. Um, uh, in response to the climate change challenges that we face. And the reason for that is because you would have to be absolutely insane to agree to have a uranium mine or uranium reactor anywhere near your children. And the biggest advocates of um, you, you know, nuclear generally want those um, mines and plants to be near someone else's children, not theirs. So you have a huge problem where you have a victim every time you do anything in nuclear. And that's why I don't think it will be as big as people think long term. Regarding this exact stock, well, you could just ride the uranium price and in a way it's just a proxy to the uranium price. So there's a lot of drivers there, but keep that eye on the uranium price because I believe that's really the main input to the share price of Peninsula right now. Buy, hold or sell? Us for me, sell, but that's more taking a long-term view. Got it. Rudy, how about you? Peninsula Energy, now I know that it is uh, small, um, but uh, there are those macro concerns that Paul has. So will, he says, changes in bonds and potential inflation mean it's better to take profits in small specky mining companies? What do you think? If, if you're in small specky miners, you, um, you, have to wa- you have to watch two things. Um, the first thing you watch is the general sentiment on the market. And yes, if it gets a little bit hairy, those small cap stocks, they, they do get uh, tossed overboard. And the other thing is, is simply the trend for the, for the commodity. And I hope we all realize that the uranium market in itself is very, very tiny. It's it's really tiny. If a, if a fund manager in Canada decides to launch a new fund specialized in uranium, uh, the price of uranium uh, goes up by 50%. I mean, it's that simple. That's how tiny this market is. Mm-hmm. If anyone's interested, by the way, last time we had a uranium boom, the, the price uh, peaked at $136 US or $138, depending on which source we use. Um, the current uranium price is is still well, well, well below that. Um, we are we are still not at a price level where the likes of uh, Paladin Resources, for example, are able to restart their mine in Africa. So there is a lot of potential going. One thing that Peninsula has going for themselves, they're actually producing. Um, I mean, I remember in the last boom, we had about 100 companies uh, on the ASX and they all were riding the uranium boom and only two of them were producing. Mm -hmm. And by now, none of those two is still producing. 
So that gives you a little bit of an idea of uh, when I, I don't know the particular characteristics of peninsula, uh, but what I would suggest to Paul is uh, A, only a small part of your portfolio, and, and you can take a longer term view, but everyone does that until volatility hits the share price. And what, what, what he has to do is he really has to spend a lot of time on, on, on uh, assessing what, what makes peninsula yeah. energy tick, because they're still not profitable. So they might be selling produce for for um, for ten thirteen million dollars a year, which is in itself quite small. But why are these guys not profitable yet? Is that because, they, like Claude said, they're going to change their mining practices? Uh, on the other end, he has he has at least a company here that produces uranium. All the other ones have a piece of land, and they they tell you we're drilling holes, and that's probably all they're going to do for the next decade. Okay. So for me, if for me, it's. It's it's a it's a hold because I don't like the risk profile and I don't know enough, and and for me, I mean, investing in a commodity that goes up one day and down the next is uh, for me it's that's not that's not my type of investing. But okay, I can well, see he has specifically asked if he if, should sell because of the macro environment, yes. but you're not saying sell. No, no, not because of the macro environment. He should sell if he believes that the uranium price in in the medium term doesn't go higher, and I actually think it will. Okay. Good. Thank you, guys. Let's get to the next company on the list. Healthia, HLA for Izzy. I had to look it up, but it's basically an alliance of health clinics, includes physiotherapy, includes podiatry, includes optometry. Would you be putting your money in that, Rudy? If my memory serves me correctly, I think uh, Claude is a is a little bit of a fan of uh, of this one, a small healthcare no, company. No, 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 I'm not. Are you not? Okay. My no, memory does not serve me. My memory does not. This serve is why me you correctly. have to keep watching people because they know each other well, <laughs> but not that well, and they surprise each other sometimes, as we've already learned today. So go ahead, Rudy. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, uh, long story short, we should all realize again this is a small cap company, uh, but it does look interesting. It it has it has the momentum in the wings. I I think um, I think we can we can give it the benefit of the doubt here, but again. Don't put put uh, too much of your portfolio in there, and and watch what this what the company comes out with in terms of announcements and and the likes. Um, um, it's, I mean, in general terms, if you really want to reduce your risk profile as an investor, you you wait until these companies get a little bit of a knock, and that's not inconceivable in in the overall environment that we're in. I mean, all we need to see is U.S. ten-year bond yields move by five or six percentage points uh, next week, and those stocks could be off by seven percent, ten percent, and that might be a, obviously a better entry point. But in the absence of, of such happening and and maybe mm-hmm. if you already own this stock i wouldn't i wouldn't be selling it but for 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 my own risk profile i would probably wait for weakness and definitely follow um everything the company has to announce further there you go claude over to you you can keep it a little bit short if you like ah uh, yeah sure well look i'm just gonna say this is the one we kind of thing we mentioned earlier with roll-ups um where mm-hmm. you just are getting together a lot of businesses but uh because they're looking uh at a whole range of different things like a physio podiatry um, i think they have one optical one and uh just that roll-up model where you're also buying things that are so heavy on they're about the personal expertise so rather than it being um you know a uh, part of a a parts distribution network or whatever which is not just like one person's expertise it's lots of moving parts when you're buying a, a clinic you're buying probably a few people's expertise and those people have quite high bargaining power 
versus the corporate owner, which means that in my mind, this is uh, probably a lower quality um, roll-up situation and it's priced mm, quite high at the moment, which is allowing it to do this uh, public market and private market arbitrage where you raise capital by selling shares at a higher price and then buy cheaper stuff. But, you know, from what I've seen, uh, basically those models, they peter out after a few years. And so there's probably a few years run in this and then it, it probably becomes mediocre at best. Hence why, for me, these kind of businesses, to, as my long-term investor hat on, it would be more a sell really. Thank you. Let's go to Atomos AMS, the ticker code for dairy. Recently had an AGM affirmed guidance, increased sales in some overseas markets. Uh, look, a recent promotion of CEO from roles at Apple and Logitech. Uh, has cash in the bank, but some short-term supply chain problems, which we know, is it a buy on this pullback? Claude. Uh, yeah, so for me, probably not. There's like uh, a few um, reasons that I don't like it. Um, basically, the first one would just be more generally that it's largely engaged in the sale of uh, consumer hardware, which with the notable exception of Apple, which is obviously a fantastic company, is usually quite a kind of tough game. So uh, for me, I, I, you know, wouldn't really be attracted to that business model. And then secondly, from that, uh, I just don't have like a huge, uh, great deal of confidence in uh, that the, the business will be able to grow you know, sufficiently over the long term. I think it might have a few good years and I could be happy to be proven wrong here, but I just don't see this as being like a necessarily a multi-year compounder. It's just, it's it's a big market um, that they're competing in. And so good luck to them. But for me, I'll probably sit on the sidelines for now. So that's an avoid for Thomas, which is a bit of a market darling, don't you think, Rudy? What do you think? Yes, I've been. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I all of a sudden I'm 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 the I'm the market bull here in this, in this <laughs> podcast today. Can you imagine? Um, I, I think I think um, on one end I think um, Claude is a bit harsh, but on the other end I can I can see where he's coming from because I have similar considerations in that. Thomas has been around for quite a while, mm-hmm. and um, if you look if you look at the the, the numbers, um, it means it is a small cap stock, but it doesn't look too bad so i can sort of see where investors go and they go what's what's happening why aren't investors uh, putting the share price higher i think there's two things to highlight here one is that if you are a small cap company and if there are question marks or just a little bit is not quite right the share price can really respond in in, in a much more outsized way than if this were a CSL or ResMed or something along those lines. And this, that is the risk that comes with, with that small cap space. The other uh, element I think is, um, which is similar with, for example, an Ordinate group, is that they obviously have some problems in getting uh, their supply uh, bottlenecks uh, resolved. And I sort of have a suspicion that that is keeping the share price back. I mean, the few brokers who cover this stock have valuations which are well, well, well above today's share price. On that basis, I suspect there could be a, a trading opportunity here for those investors who are willing to sit on an asset and just wait until it picks up at some point, which might be in, in February if they come out with their, with their numbers. But I'm not prepared to go further than, than than a trading opportunity because longer term with those small caps companies, yeah, that's that's still big finger in in, uh, in the wind, uh, and we don't we don't know what's going to happen there. But I would I would I would be prepared to put some money there and just wait until the share price at some stage will just correct to the upside. That is a buy just with those caveats. Mo- so, go ahead, Claude. 
I was just saying, just before we move on, the other red flag here for me is that um, the co-founder, Jeremy Young, stepped down as CEO in February 2021. And I think, you know, that's something that makes me keep away from these little small caps as well, especially if they've only been listed a few years. It's different if it's a founder after 10 years for a listed company, but still a bit unknown and he's leaving. So it does concern me a little bit. Mm, I didn't know that. So, so So we have another BAPCOR here. (laughs) <laughs> well yeah except that the except that the share price didn't fall down that much uh, i don't think anyway on on the announcement maybe it did in february no i don't think no all right yeah. let's move on from a thomas can we uh, look, I saw yes. something on LinkedIn this week for the next uh, company that we're going to discuss, Aussie Broadband. Uh, and it's Philip Britt, the managing director. And he's referencing the fact that Telstra, obviously the behemoth in the room, felt the need to create a comparison page, points out that some of the data isn't correct. Uh, interestingly, Philip says they don't compare to any other providers. We'll take that as a compliment. Uh we're going to send you a long le- legal letter like you do to us all the time, but figured this would be more efficient and cheaper. I don't know if you've seen it, but it put a bit of a smile on my dial only because it's in such a public forum. Now, Rudy, Aussie Broadband, I mean, there's a lot of fans of that company, not just yes. because of its share price performance and execution, but, you know, apparently it's got this really hardcore, you know, very happy consumer base. Yes, and, and, and yes, and that is probably the secret behind the share price as well. And in the share market, if the share price goes up, you automatically get a lot of fans. Um, I must say, it has been on my radar from, from listing uh, onwards. I, I immediately received um, a number of, of, of questions from, uh, from, from subscriber base. Uh, at the time, I said, like, listen, guys, I mean, I don't know how good these, these guys are. They just listed and they really have a, have a small niche. Uh, in this market, but I think what they're proving is that in a large market like broadband services, you can carve out your niche and do it successfully. Um, I mean, at the moment, uh, the, I mean, everything is going their way basically, so they're doing really, really well. And but you can also argue that is to a very large extent uh, now reflected in the share price. Um, if you own it, I would definitely stay on board here. There's no reason why why their growth uh, trajectory should should slow down anytime soon. I think uh, if you don't own it, maybe you want to have a little bit of a of a margin of safety here and just wait until it happens all the time with small cap stocks. At some stage, there will be a week or a month when the share price is a little bit out of favor, and and if you have this on your radar. Again, don't put too much of your portfolio in there, but that could be the time to to jump on board and become a fan of this little uh, little performer mm-hmm. in the share market. Wait for pullback from Rudy. How about you, Claude? Yeah, look, I think I'm probably going to say the same thing. Basically, it seems like the dominant thesis about this uh, company is based on the fact that it has probably the strongest brand in the market at the moment. You know, I've even considered moving to it a few times. Uh, a lot of people that I admire and know about tech stuff think that it's the best one. So I think it probably is the best one and that's and that's really impressive. Um, now the secondary question is whether it justifies the current share price and I think what we can see is probably almost certainly going to happen is now that they've got this uh, fairly um, generous valuation and, and popular shares, they can use those shares to acquire. So they're, they're going to probably go and do that at some point which can be risky and you just see it like this um these telco acquisition cycles every few years 
And yeah, it's just important not to get on that too late. And I personally think that it's probably a bit late to be getting on this train, but that doesn't mean it's not going to go higher. So I, I actually have a similar view as Rudy. Like this might be one you want to buy during a panic or when there's a, a temporary dislocation um, or if it comes down. But for me, it's just a little bit too pricey. And so it doesn't, um, you know, stand out as a top buy to me. Yep, two XE. All right, so that brings us to the halfway mark. Thanks, guys. So far, I'll summarize what we've learned, and we'll start with uh, the stock of the day, Bapcourt. Sort of, I guess we could say on this Friday, one of the big stock stories of the week, down by more than 15%, with Rudy saying the risk profile with the uh, resignation of the CEO has increased. Now, longer term, you've got to think about that outlook. He's got some now questions about the auto industry itself. So it's a hold, but only for very patient people in Rudy's view. He is doing his uh, his thinking, his research as to whether or not he's going to continue to hold it in his own portfolio. Claude, he says it's a quality business, but again, it's been uh, so dependent on M&A. So new management is a risk. It's a sell on that basis for Claude. Getting to the companies that you nominated, Life360, a buy from uh, Rudy Philippic Van Dyke saying it is higher risk. That's the caveat, but its strategy is because coming clearer. It's now about execution, which obviously comes with risk. Now, when it comes to Claude, he says Life360 is a hold. It's a high growth business, has some momentum. But again, he's questioning the macro environment, rising interest rates, what that could mean. Peninsula Energy, it's a sell for Claude. He believes that the nuclear story has been over-egged time and time again, but you just want to keep an eye on the uranium price if you're looking when to take profits. And on that point, Rudy says now's probably not the time if you're looking to take profits is actually producing it's a hold for him healthier it's a sell for claude lower quality company that has been dependent on roll-ups rudy's willing to give it the benefit of the doubt but he would probably wait for weakness to buy if you are already in you can hold it at tomos it's a buy for rudy he says that there is a trading opportunity here because in small caps you get these really sharp severe share price reactions at time that might potentially be what we're at right now with Atomos, but um, it's an avoid for Claude. He just doesn't have a, a great deal of confidence, I suppose, in the growth profile. Also pointing out that the CEO has stepped back. Aussie Broadband, it's just too expensive for Claude Walker. He believes it probably has the best product on offering at the moment, but he just doesn't know if he can justify the share price. And if it starts on an M&A track, then it could be a bit risky. And again, um, agreement from the boys. Uh, Rudy says that he would also wait for a pullback. He doesn't own it, but definitely has been on his radar for a long time and looks like a quality stock, but again, expensive. All right. That brings us to the fantasy portfolio. It's a portfolio that we've been tracking since July 1st last year. All thanks to our partner, NAB Trade, and also our guests, because when they give a company a buy, so both guests on the same day give a company a buy, it goes into the portfolio. It only comes out if one decides to sell. All right, let's get a read on our performance this week. We are down by 1.3% on the month. We are up by 1.5%. Year to date, we are 8.79, to be precise, percent higher. But since inception, we're up close to 47%. 
some of the companies we've been adding. Uh, we've got Top Shelf International in there. That must have been yesterday. Globe, Atlas Arteria, Virtus Health, and Brambles. We've taken out Harvey Norman, Southern Cross Media, Magnus Energy Technologies, and PWR Holdings. You can check that portfolio out at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Folio. Just want to keep you in the loop for those of you watching live. We're getting a lot of pressure coming through on the local market. It's off by about 1%. So when this program wraps, be sure to stay with us. We'll take you through all of the market moves that includes iron ore. I think it's nearing limit down. So yeah, we will bring you across all the latest market moves in the next half hour. Having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. Let's stick with the, uh, the the point of this show, though, and that's very stock-specific. We love it. I know you do, too. This one's for Ben, and it's Fluence, and he's pointed to you two, Claude and Rudy. He wants to know if it's undervalued. Choppy revenue due to the Ivory Coast deal, but he thinks that the pivot into new solutions might be the right move. Slow wins, he points to COVID in China, but again, saying that in the Asian region, it's been pretty successful. So uh, the biggest selling point seemed to be the market opportunity, billions in China and Southeast Asia. I will start with you, Rudy. Fluence. I'm happy to start on this one. Um, Believe it or not, uh, Fluence is one of those companies that uh, that has been on my radar for, for quite a while now. But um, I need to emphasize this really is high risk, guys. I mean, in, in a very simplistic observation, the market cap is about 100 million. The annual revenues is about 100 million. So the market is not, not giving anything more than dollar for dollar in terms of what these guys are selling. Um, personally, I, I think um, one, one shouldn't go there. Um, I mean, the, the future is way too uncertain. Uh, this is a share price that is led by the next announcement in terms of a contract. And, and given this company uh, signs contracts in, in uh, second tier and third tier countries, and I wouldn't necessarily um, make a big bet that all your, all your um, invoices will be paid in those countries, um, there is, there is a, there's just a humongous risk. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the, the, the main thing to emphasize here is that a, the sector of, of water purification, of water recycling, of, of, of uh, um, water and everything you do with water, that, that of course is one of the sectors of the future. But it's, it's, it's still young, it's, still, it's very much in its infancy. This sector is going to develop over the next decades and, and at some stage it will become a sector to which we all will be acquainted in the same as we are with, with healthcare in general and, and etc. But we are really, really in an immature stage. And that's not just for the sector, that's for this company as well. Mm-hmm. And as I always uh, tell, I mean, Bepco was one of the exceptions uh, to get alongside with Zero, where a company that has only been listed for a relatively short time span that I would get on board. Companies like this, you can have on your radar for years, and if they really, really execute well, there will be plenty of opportunities at some point in the future at a much lower risk profile. So for the time being, I would say avoid. Avoid. Thank you. How about you, Claude? 
Uh, I think probably the easiest way to sort of uh, show how I feel about this company is that I've been arguing that this company is like massively overvalued and not investment quality um, with with my friends for years now. Um, I think that it's like the, you know, it's you can see there's maybe a tailwind um, for demand long term there. But if we look at that five year chart, you'll see in 2019, uh, they had a bit of a, a share price spike. And, you know, if you just go back to the to the Fluence June 2019 quarterly report, where you can see where the share price was higher then. They said, reconfirming guidance to achieve sustainable a bit the profitability by Q4 2019, right? So that was uh, encouraging a lot of people to buy shares and they thought that there'd been an inflection point of profitability. But if we fast forward a couple of years, you know, just looking, going off the data providers, you know, I can see that, um, you know, EBITDA was still negative in 20, um, in the last couple of years. So uh, basically, you know, um, I would avoid it. I think that there's been, there's like a lot of hype filled, like a big name um, contract announcements, 10 millions here or, or whatever it is, which can get people excited. But we don't know how profitable those contracts are. And quite frankly, like given that they already have quite a bit of revenue and they don't have profits, I would argue that, you know, the business isn't that profitable at all. So, you know, more of a charity to my point of view. And um, so I'd avoid the stock. Thank you. That's an avoid for you, Ben, from the gents that you had been requesting. Does it get much better than that? IDP Education, IEL for Nelly. Claude. Ah, uh, yeah. So I know this is one that um, this is a, a favourite of Rudy's, of course, uh, and it does have, I guess, the you know long term. So you know, I think one of the you know, exciting drivers has been overseas uh, English language tests as well. Obviously, that's not everything they do. You know, I think Rudy will probably be talking around some of the history of how that's like got hit down and come back up. But basically, you know, I can probably save us a little bit of time on this one because to my mind, basically, this is a, a, a decent quality company with tailwinds that's just way too expensive. So depending on your style of investing, um, if you're very value oriented, it might be actually a sell. But alternatively, if you just like me, uh, sometimes are quite happy to just hold overvalued high quality businesses, then that's something you could do with IDP education. Thank you, Rudy. How about you? IDP, is it too late to hop on that bandwagon? What if you're already in it? Do you take a bit of profit? Well, I'm in it. Uh, it's 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 uh, it's one of my uh, one of my core conviction uh, holdings. Um, maybe something to point out here for those people who, who only look at stocks and then uh, through the the, the PE multiple. Um, in May this year, when the share price was $21, $22, uh, I had lively discussions with investors who, who would tell me that stock is way, way, way overvalued. And you go back that might have been one of them. And, and, <laughs> and, and the share price has doubled now. I mean, that's, that's almost 100% on top of it. Um, I'm, I'm a happy holder here. Um, you asked earlier um, the question to, to Claude that why would you hold a share price that is more likely to fall than, than, to, than to rise in the short term? The answer is, in, in cases like IDP education and a few other ones I own, is that you, the market can surprise you either way and that you um, are very unlikely uh, because, of, because of your own limitations as a person or because of just simply because the market can move much faster than you and I can execute anything, is that the share price can literally run away from you and create this barrier that you don't get on board anymore. If it, if it runs away from you. And and my experience with companies like IDP Education is, is that because they're such high quality with so many tailwinds and, and carried by the market as well, that they can surprise you on the upside and they probably will surprise you on the upside. Um, the way I manage my portfolio is that sometimes when they really get a little bit overheated, 
which I don't think is the case here, would be the case if it, if it moves uh, beyond $40, I think, in the short term, is that sometimes I just I, I basically reduce my, my exposure, which I, for example, in the past did with likes of Technology One and with uh, ProMedicus as well. But I don't, I don't tend to sell out completely mm-hmm. because you don't get in. And then you, and then you, then you, then you're very, very, very sad looking at your screen for <laughs> one of your favorite stocks, and you no longer own it. Um, so I think this this has a long runway of growth. If you're not on board yet, I, w- I would say wait until the likes of Claude uh, are right and this share price pulls back, which at some stage it can. Look at the market today. I mean, the share market in general is down. Um, but this would definitely be one of the stocks, I think, if you're looking for, for a quality stock that has a long runway of growth. And my, my, my philosophy is very simple on this one. The strong will get stronger because of COVID. And that's exactly what's happening here. So I would I would say to investors, it's a hold here, but put it on your radar and, and, and grab it when you can. Mm, got it. Okay. Dr. Care Anywhere is the next one on the list. This is from Graham. Claude Walker, what's your opinion there? We've seen some of the heat coming out of of these online telehealth US-based healthcare providers, and that's essentially what Dr. Care Anywhere is. It has been um, buying up some of these uh, operations. What do you think of this as a company for growth? Yeah, so this one, as you would imagine, is, is one that I've looked at and actually did previously own some um, just because I thought it was so interesting in terms of what they're trying to do in take telemedicine to as much of the healthcare process as possible. And then the way this is supposed to work is that through, um, through you know, having more um, just appointments online with doctors, but also then being able to order tests online and get results online and that kind of thing, um, they're both, they're supposed to generate cost savings, which then generates a cost saving for the insurer and then that's why you know insurers do and other organizations bigger healthcare organizations they do deals with the companies like doctor care anywhere because they want to get the savings by moving their people who they're paying for um onto this telemedicine kind of model and then doctor care anywhere in theory can get some of that profit but you know the problem is and the reason that i sold out is because when i bought it was just when COVID, and there was this massive you know tidal wave of um telehealth happening mm-hmm. and I kind of realized at some point that when this wave comes out it's going to be really brutal for businesses that are supposed to be high growth money losing businesses that are going to grow their way to profitability such as doctor care anywhere and that's going to come right down and we've seen that in uh, teledoc which is actually i also owned for years prior um and i sold that around the same time because i just thought look it's going to be brutal um, telehealth has had a big bump. It's going to come back even if the long-term trend is towards telehealth. And, you know, we're seeing that with Dr. Care Anywhere. The most recent quarterly report disclosed receipts from customers lower than the one one beforehand. So, you know, you don't want to see any kind of indication that you're not having continuous growth when you've got a loss-making company that's um, just trying to make it grow its way to, to profits. And so for that reason... Um, I would still be sitting on the sidelines with Dr. Care anyway. Do I think this is an interesting place that I'm definitely watching? Yes, absolutely. It would be great to own some of the dominant um, telehealth players in the futures because when I'm an old man, I think they're going to be a lot bigger than they are today. But we don't even know for sure who, if Dr. Care Anywhere will be a winner and a huge part um, would that a very important thing on whether it wins long term is whether it can become a sustainable business now. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm looking for, signs that it's on track to become sustainable. And we won't know that until we cycle through all of this massive um, COVID-induced bump in telehealth. 
Okay, so that's an avoid for now? Yeah. Thank you, Rudy. Dr. Kareny, where would you be buying it? Is it a all-weather company? Yeah, I think we all know the answer to that one. I think that the only di the, only, uh, the only difference between Claude and, and myself on this one is that he actually bought some shares at some point, and I would not, I would not buy shares in this one. Um, to be, listen, to be honest, way, way too immature, way too early, and, and I think there's a lesson in here for investors who are nowadays piling into uranium and hydrogen and the likes. Um, it will come down at some point because it, it's all it's all basically uh, based on money flowing in. One extra observation I like to point out, just because I don't want to repeat Claude in, in all this, is that mm -hmm. I, I at times have subscribers who, who who will call several brokers in order to to, to secure a place uh, when there's an, a fresh IPO on the share market. See, I always, from a risk reward perspective, I always say like, why 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 are you trying to get in? at the IPO level, because most IPOs, and I'm talking 80%, 85%, if not more, they have they have a similar pattern. And you could, if you put up the share price for, for Dr. Care anywhere, that's the pattern. So mm -hmm. it lists, it gets a lot of excitement built in, share price goes up. You look back six months later, it's it's down and down a lot. So everything of that excitement is this has disappeared. If you're interested in the company, that's when you when you go in, not at the very at not the very beginning, and see that's the typical IPO what what we've seen over the, also over the past six six months or twelve months. Mm -hmm. So you're basically ending up six months later with a share price that's lower. So why are you trying to get in at the very beginning? My observation still stands: most IPOs need three to four years to prove prove their worth. It means you have plenty of time to keep an eye on the company and to research it and to decide whether you go on board at one stage. But this one, avoid. Avoid it, Graham. That's the message. Now, James has asked about Megaport. Rudy, we've got Macquarie with an outperform. City UBS mm. with a buy. Ordmanet, though, is, uh, is uh, recommending a sell. Uh, what do you make of Megaport? <laughs> I mean, I'm, people would know I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a big fan of one of the other trends, which are data and data centers, and and I'm I'm obviously a long-term shareholder in 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 NextCC, and I intend to remain on a long-term shareholder because I I do see a lot of a lot of potential still coming. This is in the similar thematic, just on in a different spot in in that data center market, mm -hmm. in that they help make the connections with the data centers. Where they have to be a little bit careful is, is that they, they need to feed the market constantly with that, with that major progress they're making because they're not profitable and they're, and they're um, uh, valued as a, as a high growth company. So volatility will kick in eventually because they will have a quarter when things don't go uh, according to plan. But this has the potential to become uh, a winner in, in, in that data center related uh, dynamics, but not profitable yet, and they need to grow at a high speed. They're now moving into the US, they are developing new products, etc., etc. If you own it, hold it, because it's probably going to surprise to the upside. If you don't own it, maybe just to have a little bit of a more, uh, a little bit less risky uh, entrance, wait until there's a pullback. We just had one, you see it on the share, on the share price chart there, there will come another one, and maybe that's a better way to get in. Right, but Clark, and and, and keep sorry. and keeping a long long term long term horizon. By the way, don't okay. be worried about the next six months. Claude, what do you think about Megaport? Oh, look, it's a, it's a great quality business, and it's one we've talked about before on the show. And I actually used to own it; I no longer own it. Um, 
And look, it's a really hard to know what to say about companies like Megaport that are uh, clearly in a long-term secular growth trend. Because if you say sell, um, then just with enough time, if that secular trend goes long enough, they'll end up justifying the current share price and probably more, you know? When, you, when you're buying something that is leveraging off a really long-term secular growth trend and, and taking share there, like eventually, if it keeps doing that long enough, it can be way bigger than anyone can imagine. Having said that, you know, um, I won't repeat what Rudy said because he gave a great rundown of the business, but let's just break it down a little bit. Um, this is a business that um, is global, and but the um, APAC part of the business, like this based around Australia, uh, has much higher margins than the bits that are in growth mode because as they roll out physical parts of their network, you know, there's an upfront cost. And then as they add additional customers on that, onto those um, same bits of infrastructure, the gross margin goes up. So what that tells us is in Australia, they can get 73% gross margins, which means that I guess at maturity, these guys are almost as good as a, a software company in some ways. So that that's interesting and and that means that it's definitely one to keep on your watch list as a high quality growth stock. Uh, but at the same time, the reality is that unlike a software company that's got their software going in Australia, they can't just take that software and sell it in America. They have to actually go through the whole process, same in Europe, mm -hmm. of like building out all of these connections, etc. So there's much more cash burn. I think in the last quarter, there was $24 million cash burn. Now they've got like 130 million plus on the bank account. So it's not a big deal. But you can see they're spending big, so it's a high-risk bet. And in the meantime, we've got this complicating factor is back in May, I think Megaport got heavily shorted uh, due to probably concerns around whether it could grow enough or something. Yeah. I don't know the short thesis, but Bevan Slattery got out there on LinkedIn and was like saying, oh, the shorts are crazy. I'm not selling any of my shares. And sure enough, the share price has gone up and up while the short interest has gone down and down. So maybe we have actually seen a bit of a short squeeze happen now. But now that that's happened, you know, has it fully played out? It seems very expensive to me, even if we treat this as a software company, right? Um, which it's not because it does have lower margins. It's on something like 30 times annualized monthly recurring revenue on the back of my napkin calculations there. So, you know, it reported... Um, 8.6 million monthly recurring revenue in the last quarter. So you can do the maths yourself, but it's expensive even if you treat it as a software company. It's probably not quite as good as that. So I guess for me, it's a sell to a hold kind of situation. That's new. Sell to a hold. I'm calling it a I'll sell. I call it a sell, but I've had all of these sort of high quality companies prove me wrong so many times before when I say sell. That's the risk you take, Claude. There you go. Pexa Group, PXA for Gina, guys. It's going to have to be a bit of a buy, hold, sell scenario. There's lots going on around Pexa. So what do you think, Rudy? Give it more chance to prove itself. I mean, it, it, at face value, I mean, it comes, it, it's all part of the evil empire. It, it, uh, I mean, if you, if you are in buying and selling houses in New South Wales, yeah. it's very difficult not having to deal with Pexa Group now. Um, but there is some insecurity about what exactly is Link uh, going mm -hmm. to do with its stake still. And Link is not in the best of shapes. Uh, there, are, there are takeover offers. Uh, and, and this, again, while at face value it all looks uh, very promising, it is very young as a listed entity, and um, you, you should you should give these uh, companies the, 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 uh, more time to prove themselves and to prove their, their their true worth. And it's not it's not by no means without risk. The fact that you are a near monopolist 
in certain regions uh, doesn't mean that that's always uh, set in stone. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I would give it more time, to be honest. Uh, there's no need to jump on board here. Um, so I would say wait. Is that, is that, is that also a waiting? Wait? Yeah, we call that an avoid for now. On the okay. watch list. Let's do that. Okay, it's not a buy. If you held no. it, though, if you were already in it, would you hold it, Rudy? Yes, I would. Okay. Claude, would you hold it if you were in it? Would you be buying? I'm not, I'm not buying, but I'd probably call it a hold. It's definitely going to be an interesting part of the um, regulatory tech stack for property transactions in Australia. So that's the good side of it. The bad side of it, of everybody loves it, it's, and it's considered a great business already. So, you know, maybe there's downside there. So for that reason, I'd pretty much fall in line with Rudy on this one. Thank you, guys. Hey, believe it or not, we're at the end of this hour. Would just like to thank you, Claude Walker from A Rich Life, for always coming and bringing your thoughts and your opinions. Rudy Philippek Van Dyke from FN Arena as well. It's been so good to spend part of the Friday with you guys. Thanks, likewise. It's, it's, it's my pleasure, too. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Claude's pleasure as well. <laughs> we'll see you guys soon. Have a good one. All right, I'll just wrap it up for you just to put a bow on it. And if we start at number six on the list, that was Fluent. It is an avoid for both of our guests, Ben. Keep in mind, this is not for your own personal circumstances, but it is information only. IDP education for Nelly, it's a hold from both of my guests. Way too expensive. This is a core conviction for Rudy. Don't forget, he loves it. But um, he thinks that you potentially could get it cheaper. Perhaps it's a hold for him. Dr. Care Anywhere, Rudy, uh, Claude sold out. It's an avoid. Um, for the whole thematic, Rudy says, what, what's the rush? You just have to wait. It just listed three or four years for an IPO to prove itself anyways. Megaport, it is too expensive for Claude. It's a sell. It is a hold for Rudy. Um, he says that there's probably a less risky way to get into that whole data center thematic. He likes Next DC, so you'd have to wait to find a place to get in at a better price for Megaport. Pexa, it's a hold for uh, both of my guests. If you're already in, no need to buy at this time. I think that pretty much wraps it up. Don't forget, you can get a company talked about by our guests by emailing the call at ausbiz.com.au. You can also tweet to us at TV and check out that portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Now, just to keep you abreast of what's happening in the broader market on this Friday afternoon, look, it's going from bad to worse. We've got the banks, the materials sector, all major sectors coming under a whole heap of pressure at this stage of the game. The Chiax 200 now down by 1.2%. So the selling is accelerating. Don't forget, U.S. markets were closed for Thanksgiving. U.S. markets are only open for half a day on Friday. So that really leads to a less conviction in the market. But we're watching uh, iron ore coming under a lot of pressure as well as we're getting a bit of breaking news from Bloomberg that uh, we've got DD saying that it will delist in the United States on security fears. So that's a lot for the market to digest as we head into the latter part of this Friday session here in Australia. Stay with us. We'll get you across all the news you need to know after this break. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.